Hello out there. We're on the air. It's, it's Rink Moose Talk tonight. The beers are cold. The mics light up. And, and the, the boys, boys get set to fight. The gloves come off. Opinions get thrown. And someone slips on ice. One man howls. The other scowls. But the show must go on. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. You're an announcer with a long stick from time to time. With hockey flows. And Marshawn's nose. And Pierre Maguire's life. Not John's a leap. Ovechkin's teeth. And Hoffman's crazy wife. When Carey slumps. And Benjamin stumps. Durant's not LaFontaine. Jokes aside, it's podcast time. And Rink Moose is the name. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rink Moose, a weekly episodic podcast where two good friends get together and discuss all things NHL as well as their implications in fantasy hockey. I'm one of your hosts, Nick Costu, along with my good pal, the pride of Aurora, Ontario, oh, Kyle Nice. Hi, everybody. My name's Kyle. Welcome back to the show. It's been a while since we last did our last one because I think we skipped a couple days, but uh, we're back and it feels so good. The regular season has kicked off and uh, we've gotten to see about a week now of regular season hockey, Nick, and it has been kind of crazy. There's been a lot of high scoring games. There's been a lot of like crazy goaltending blow ups. So we'll touch on some of those today, but overall, yeah, we're... uh, we're pretty satisfied with how things are going so far. We're today we're going to talk about some of those topics as well as dive into what's going on in our fantasy league, and then we're going to finish off the show with uh, some trophy predictions. So uh, we'll start off with the topic of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Where else would we start, Nick? Come on. So we mentioned it in the last episode how the Leafs' power play was just ridiculous. And uh, yeah, they're still ridiculous, guys. The regular season here, we've played four games in Toronto, and uh, we're shooting at about a 50% clip right now on the power play. Um, Just some ridiculous performances here. Matthews leads the league in goals and points. He's got seven goals. He's got 10 points. Uh, And and again, in four games. Tavares, six goals in four games. No assists, but that's okay. Uh, He actually had a hat trick as well, which uh, I think that set some sort of history record in, you know, top... One of the top three guys to score a hat-trick with his new team, yada, 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 all that. Um, and then again, that power play is just uh, just rolling. And uh, one guy that's kind of getting left out in the conversations a little bit because Matthews and Tavares like to hog that spotlight is uh, Morgan Riley, who is, believe it or not, last time I checked, he's the number one player in fantasy hockey right now. Whoa. He's got 10 points along with Matthews. He's a defenseman. This guy's crazy. Um so yeah, Morgan Riley, like, he's just benefiting off all that talent, and uh, he's that number one guy on the unit. So, I mean, the Leafs are tearing it up, and to me, it's still like I said before, Marner is that guy stirring the drink on that power play. He's he's got so many options there, like that Matthews pass over in the left uh, left circle there, or he can hit Tavares who's in front of the net. My goodness, it's uh, it's been interesting. But I will mention this isn't the only hot power play. Washington's power play is crazy as well, running at 50%, tied with the Leafs, as well as Dallas. 
So those guys are doing a, also an excellent job, and they they definitely deserve to be mentioned along with the Leafs here because it's it's not just them tearing up uh, tearing up the scoreboard. So yeah, Nick, what do you think of this Leafs hot start? Well, the the record speaks for itself. I mean, you had that kind of you know off game in Ottawa where you almost thought they were going to tie it up at the end because that you know this team's just too good to lose to the Sens. Mm. But uh, yeah, it was just a weird game, kind of funky how they couldn't they couldn't tie it up there and like you know the good players weren't on in the last dying seconds there. It was kind of a weird game. I mean, you look at it. You, you I mean, you mentioned it. Those guys, Riley, Marner, Tavares, Matthews, they're just firing on all cylinders here um the only thing i will say is if you look at the defense i mean this is kind of what we expected as much as you can say this is what we expected with the offense we are seeing what we expected with the defense Mm. and uh and and the reality is here i mean they give up you know a lot of goals to to the stars what was it four or five goals Mm -hmm. um they give up you know four goals to the to the to the senators um, the Chicago game was just nuts, seven six. Um, it's it, it's been kind of a mess in the defensive end of the ice. But and to me, it, it kind of the, the way things look right now for the Leafs is they're almost kind of waiting and and watching and and seeing how long this offensive streak just lasts for. And after you know, give it give it ten more games, I sit down and say, hey, is this is this can is this what we're doing right now consistent can we just outscore teams can that be our mindset going into the playoffs just score more than the other team and we'll win ourselves a cup or on the contrary are they going to say hey listen we can't keep this up um you know the scoring's going to dip and we need to address our blue line so it's kind of it's kind of interesting because they're doing so well it almost does kind of negate the whole improve on defense point which we've been talking about all summer but at the same time i i just can't see how this can hold up in today's nhl i i think you know a lot of it also has to do with the fact that early on in the season we we just tend to see a lot of scoring we saw the same last year we're seeing the same this year so this could be just more beliefs kind of conforming to the trend of the league and the trend of how a season starts uh and and less so the 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 sheer power of this team although yes there is a bunch of firepower on this you know on the front end of this team so i don't know we'll we'll see here i'm I'm excited as a leafs fan obviously and the games are must watch you know regardless who they're playing um but at the same time i think we gotta you know we gotta be cautious here and we also gotta you know evaluate we can have fun but we also got to evaluate you know yeah it's it's an interesting time in the season where everybody's just kind of trying to get used to the systems and maybe new teammates as well and uh, in particular you mentioned that it was like this last year it it definitely was I remember last year the Leafs started with just a, a stupid amount of goals per game I think their first game they lit up Winnipeg and everyone was freaking out uh so yeah definitely a following the same trend as last year and as we know it did sort of settle down a little bit. I mean, obviously, you know, Matthews isn't going to keep going at this pace. It's nearly impossible. Tavares isn't going to get a, over 100 goals. Like, things are going to slow down. But um, the the defense, I don't know. It, it's, it's starting to concern me a little bit. I know it's early, but I don't know. It's just, it just seems like the the problems that were apparent in the playoffs last year are now... 
they're just kind of like highlighted in the in the season so far. I don't know if Hainsey can keep uh, can keep getting decent minutes here. Sure. Um, I don't want to be one of those guys who just contributes to this whole Nylander discussion in a in a negative way because I know everyone's kind of getting their say in on this, and uh, I feel like yeah, Nylander's losing out lev- on leverage as the season goes on and as the Leafs keep winning, obviously. Uh, as the more they win without him, the less he has to to bargain with. But um, I'm I'm also in the camp that I would consider in the back of my head some offers on the table for for this player. I mean, yes. we what we've seen is we have that firepower. Everybody knows that. But if if it's possible to get a decent deal on a on a good defenseman. Why would we not listen to this? And I know people are so split on this. Like, oh, come on, you can't do this to Nylander. But I, I'm in the camp where I, I'm picking up phones and I'm writing some notes down if I'm Kyle Dubas. I'm, I'm, I'm considering all my options here. Because uh, while Nylander's a great player, we do have other needs. What, what do you think on the Nylander situation? No, I, I was just about to bring up that point, so I'm glad you brought it up. I mean... I, I love the player, don't get me wrong, but the reality is when and if when he is back, you know, hopefully whenever he's back, if he comes back, um, he is going to be on the second power play. He's not going to be on the first power play. So right, there we go. Special teams, he's not killing penalties for you. And on the power play, he's getting, you know, maybe tops 30 seconds for every power play because we've seen Babcock. He has not really been leaning on that second unit very often. No. Um, cause, cause either the first unit staying on for a minute, 30 seconds or the first unit scoring. And that pretty much mitigates the power play. So Matt, so there goes Nylander for special teams and then, and then even strength. I mean, to me, it looks like you got Matthews and you've got, um, you got Matthews and, and Marlowe and, whomever is that third line mate. I mean, they started with Ennis, but of late it's been Kapanen. And uh, he's looked great, in my opinion. He's, he's, I was talking to someone else the other day. Uh, we said he's arguably the fastest guy on the team. If you just did mm. team sprints, Kapanen might be the quickest guy on the team. So, And, and this was something I always said with Kapanen. Like, I, I'd talk about it. I'm like, yeah, he's a great player, but he's also disposable Kapanen because he, he does so much that these other players, like these Yaunt and, and these Nylanders do. They're only almost identical players they're fast skilled you know players but now because Nylander's in this whole contract situation it almost looks like Nylander's the one who's disposed because Kapanen's kind of taken the reins here surprisingly he's, he's looked pretty good on that on that second unit so there so even strength Nylander doesn't look like he's needed very much on the power play it doesn't look like he's needed very much and he's sure as hell not going to be killing penalties for you anytime soon so I, I think when you consider all of that, it's kind of like, eh, do we need this guy? And, mm. and the reality is you've got a glaring need on defense. And if you can improve it by, by you know, putting this asset on the marketplace, I think you gotta, you got to at least think about it, right? Yeah, if, if I'm Nylander right now, Nick, I'm, I'm shaking in my boots right now. I, and when I'm seeing Kappen and and how he's clicking with Matthews, just because like, I was, I don't know, I'm watching some of these plays and it just seems like those guys are able to find each other really well, especially Kapanen to Matthews. So, like I said, Nylander losing yeah. leverage by the day. Uh, I, I think the rumor was he's asking for around $8 million, which is the dry sidle contract. And come on, man, like 
how how have you earned eight million dollars? Like you, your career high is, I believe, a sixty-one point season. Um, and for you to ask eight million, it just it comes across a little a little bratty to me. Like maybe I'm being uh, being a little hard on him, but I know this is how these things work with the agents and the negotiations. But come on, man, you can't be asking expecting to get eight million. You have not even nearly come close to putting up an eight million dollar season. I mean, many many talented players, aka. Pasternak are making less and they signed that deal recently. Goudreau is making less. He signed relatively recently as well. I mean, you got to be a team player in this case. I know you don't want to put money down, but I don't, I don't know if he's going to get anywhere with that $8 million. I, I see him more of as a, a 6-5 kind of guy in terms of the money side of things. Yeah. No, I uh, I, I agree. I think he, I think he's, he's kind of out of his boundaries here in terms of how these negotiations are going and i think at some point he's going to have to realize that so um yeah it's going to be interesting to see what happens here especially after those shanahan comments where he, he kind of ripped nylander apart kind of oh. in a low-key manner what did he say um you didn't hear no i don't think so oh wow okay yeah so no i kind of consider this old news it was i think it happened last week tail end of last week he uh they were interviewing him and they basically he basically said like they asked him about how the negotiations with Nylander were going. And uh, he straight up said, oh, well, like, he, he totally, like, deviated from, from like, answering directly. And all, and he said, kind of in a low-key manner, you know, all I know is, is back when I played for Detroit and we won all those cups, we, uh, you know, we were able, we were willing to take a discount if it meant, if it meant the betterment of the team. You know, said something along those lines. Mm-hmm. So... Obviously, you know, taking a shot at Nylander. And then I think it was a day or two later where Nylander, you know, his camp kind of put a quote out of Nylander saying, right now, you know, I know times are kind of tumultuous, but I got to look after myself right now. Mm -hmm. So you kind of got a little back and forth there. And it's it's added a little bit of drama here, which I think is rare for Leafland. You know, we're not used to seeing this kind of stuff, at least in this kind of new regime with the Dubis and Shanahan regime taking over. Um, but but it's added some drama and it's honestly as Leafs fan, it's kind of making me uncomfortable because I don't I don't I'm not a fan of this on ice off ice stuff. You know, you should be worrying about the product on the ice. And uh, and this this is a little concerning. I I, I don't like to hear stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And from what I hear the 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 main argument that Nylander's making is if I take a discount, how can you guarantee that the other guys are going to take a discount as well? Like if Matthews and, and Marner both get, you know, full market value for what they're worth and and Nylander's conceivably taking a discount, then he's going to feel a bit cheated. So I get that that part as well. But um, our friend, our friend Braden brought up a great point at, at the bar the other day. He said, I mean, if I'm Nylander, he wants him to think that if, if you sign in this city, if, if you win in the city of Toronto, buddy the money will come you'll be you'll be literally galvanized as as a hockey legend you will make money in so many other ways other than being paid salary by the toronto maple leafs it's crazy if i'm him and there's even a slight chance that things are going sideways on this negotiation i'm taking whatever you want to give me man like if you're part of this winning team that is massive for a career you'll be literally cemented as a hero in this city and it's the biggest hockey market so 
it was a good point made by Braden, and I and I fully agree with him on that one. But uh, yeah, moving on from these uh, these dark dark contract talks, I know, <laughs> I know it's a hot topic right now, and you know we we got to touch on it a little bit, but we want to keep things happy and positive. So what did you uh, what did you think of that Matthews Selly on the on the Chicago game, in uh, in the city of Chicago too? That game was the most fun I've had I've had watching a hockey game in a very long time. That that was like the whole back and forth. You think a team's got the lead and they're gonna hang on and, and win the game, and then the other team scores, and then and then you score another goal and you think you're gonna hang on for the lead, and then you upsmanship of Matthews thinking he scored the game winner, thinking mm-hmm. he's gonna be the hero, and then and then all of a sudden Patty Kane takes advantage of some lackluster goaltending on the other end of the ice. And and he fires right back, and you see the smirk of of, oh, of, yeah. of Matthews on the bench. It was <laughs> it was great drama. It was great hockey. It was awful goaltending, but it all just made for this fantastic event. Mm-hmm. Um, and and all and he deserves to sell it like that because he's he's been in my opinion. I know you said Riley's been the fantasy stud of of the season, but for me, it's got to be Matthews. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, just just that whole Patty Kane and and, and Matthews kind of you know camaraderie but also you know competitiveness at the same time it was it was kind of fun to watch so uh that was great what i will mention is i think we have to talk about garrett sparks yes we we should definitely talk about garrett sparks i mean i i so we didn't address this last episode but i i was talking to you off the air about this and what I mentioned was that his preseason, it, it just as a goalie myself, his preseason just looked, it, it, it was awful to say the least. And it was this awkward situation where you knew the plan all along. Like the second they decided to go with Sparks, you kind of knew that the plan all along with the Leafs management all summer long was we're going to keep this guy. This guy's our guy. He AHL goaltender of the year. We've, we've raised him. We've cultivated him. Uh, we're going to keep this guy. And yet he puts up this awful preseason mm-hmm. where in that game against a, a B Montreal team, he gets lit up and, <laughs> and the goals look awful. And, oh. and I, you know, it's been a while, so I can't even, I told you to watch the goals cause they were that bad. Yeah. Um, so many of them looked like he was just, you know, he'd go into his butterfly, would hope the puck would hit, hit him and it just wouldn't hit him. And it just looked like house league goaltending. Yeah. Um, and I told myself, this is going to be a very interesting storyline this year because this team looks great, but boy, oh boy, this looks like just a glaring, glaring hole on this team. Mm. And and so I said, okay, let's let's watch the Chicago game on Sunday. You know, it's his hometown. Maybe he'll come in with some fire. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm not going to lie. He was great to start the game. I was very impressed. He made some sound saves. The Leafs weren't giving him any help. I know Chicago scored two quick ones, but the, the reality is Chicago was just firing all cylinders to start that game. Mm. Um, so I, I wouldn't hate him very much, but it was that tail end of the game there where I think the inexperience, the, the youthful inex- inexperience showed itself. Where, you know, you get a lead and he can't hang on to the lead. And then you get a lead and he can't hang on to the lead. It's like this, it's this weird, it almost felt like me, you know, me as a goalie in intramurals, you know, I get a lead. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, it's, I got a lead. Uh, what do I do with it? What, what am I supposed to do now? You know? Yeah. And, and you just, and then, and you just, you get tense, and you, and you lose kind of your confidence and your mojo. It, it it's kind of you're not expecting it, and then the second one shot comes at you, it's just, it, it's a shitty goal, and it, and it slips by you. 
And, uh, and I kind of felt for Garrett Sparks there because mm. that's what it looked like to me. It looked like an inexperienced goalie who's, you know, on, he's on this grand stage Sunday night, uh, national television. And he just, it was just too much for him. The theater of the moment, just, you know, it, it, it was just too much for him. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because the Leafs don't have a back-to-back till I think early November. So obviously he won't be playing very much between then, but I think a question that needs to be asked is does Babcock find like a game to put him in just to get him, you know, loose to, to get him to play because, you know, it would be kind of weird for a goalie not to play for a whole month. Um, so I don't know. It, it, it's an interesting question. Do you play a goalie just to get his feet wet? even if he doesn't deserve that playing time. We'll see. Mm. So I, this whole Garrett Sparks storyline, I think slowly it's become one of the more interesting topics with the with the buds. And uh, I, I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Yeah, when Dubas made that move to waiver McElhaney and Pickard, um, mm. I think he was more thinking long-term, obviously with, uh, with Pickard being that kind of outside guy, as well as McElhaney being a little bit older. So that's why they, I think they went with that move. Obviously, if, if this was like a one-season deal, I think McElhaney, we agree, is the more battle-tested. Uh, he's shown he can do the backup job very well, actually. Um, I, I see Sparks. He, he's At this point, he's not super technically sound. That's how people describe him to me. Um, but at the same time... I mean, he's he seems to be a winner. He he seems to be a battler, and it it seems like he's he's a real athlete, and he seems like a guy that can eventually put it together. So I don't know. I I th- I'm fine with the move that Dubas made, and I don't think Sparks is gonna really hurt the Leafs in terms of standings down the, down the line in the season here. Um, I see a a guy who can kind of grow into that backup role he's he's not used to the backup role but uh i think as the as time goes on here and as the leafs defense tightens up and he becomes more used to the team i think he's going to be okay um he had a short stint not i think last year maybe maybe earlier but he had that one his first game was a shutout and everyone kind of fell in love with him so i I like the guy and i think he's got enough talent to be a decent backup so uh, yeah, I'm I'm keeping an eye on it. I think they want to get him in there a little bit because I think the uh, the plan was to give Anderson some a little bit more rest than last year. So that that being said, it's a little bit concerning if you know we're 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 kind of hoping on a gamble right now with this guy. But uh, I think you're gonna see him mix in some starts and once settle once things settle down in Toronto because things are a little crazy right now I think Sparks is going to be okay so yeah Let's definitely so. interesting so, because what I will add is that Curtis McElhenney guy in Carolina he's looked pretty good right about he's been solid and we'll, uh, we'll yeah we'll get to the Canes yeah. actually pretty shortly they're they're he, quite a storyline so far. Uh, he had a great he had a great debut against uh against the Blue Jackets where oh, yeah. I, I think he had a shutout in that game um, and then, of course, he played against Vancouver the other night. So it wasn't even a back-to-back situation. They were giving him a regular start. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yet again, he got a W for them. So, so far, so good uh, on the McElhinney end. 
Yeah, he's played two out of four. Yeah, and the the Columbus one was a three-one win, so not the shutout, okay. but he played really well. Because yeah, when I watched those highlights, it seemed like Carolina was giving up a lot of great A chances that he yeah, uh, yeah. he kept them in it. So yeah, their their storyline's a lot different if it's not for McElhaney. But yeah, we'll 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 get to them later. I want to quickly touch on a topic that uh, that oddly enough, for some reason. After night one of uh, San Jose Sharks hockey, Nick mm. Nick messages me and says, "Kyle, the Sharks are for real." And I'm like, "Nick, mm-hmm. what are you on about? They lost that game. <laughs> that they, they like. I know they got shut out by uh, by the Islanders. Like, come on, Nick. What what can you possibly be seeing in the Sharks' play so far that that tells you that they're living up to the the large hype that they've received so far in the early season?" Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. I love this hockey team, and I love their brand of play. Oh. And the reason I say that is in that Anaheim game, yes, they lost the game. Yes, they ran into a Vezina-caliber goalie in, in John Gibsonian. But the reality is that <laughs> in that game, the style they were playing, the the, the it, they played this, like, I watched that game in its entirety. They played this cool style where their forecheck is super, super relentless, and their defensemen are like, they're like pinching in the neutral zone so like they're not just sitting back and, and waiting for offense to come to come to them they're, mm. they're not afraid to be aggressive and, to, and to, to take the puck from the guy or to hit the guy and it's, it's this aggressive brand of hockey where they're not really letting guys get into their zone and you know that's a big reason martin jones only faced something ridiculous like 15 shots that game um, but it's it's this cool aggressive but also like stout defensive style of playing that I thought was really neat. And, and needless to say, they ended up sh- out shooting Anaheim that game, something like, you know, mid thirties to, you know, mid teens. So oh. it, it was really something to watch despite the loss. Um, and then obviously they got the big win in LA and that was big given the whole rivalry there. And then, you know, the Islander game, I didn't watch that game. I'll be honest. Um, you know, but what I will say is that historically when a team, a West coast team, starts an east road trip their first game out east is usually kind of a a dumpster fire you know you're 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 not really playing very well you're it's historically look at the stats kyle i know it's funny but but the reality is if you look at statistically how these western teams do when they start these long eastern road trips which is what san jose is on right now um they're they're oftentimes clunkers and and i think you saw that in the flyers game on the second night of the back-to-back, mm. that's where the character really showed itself. Oh. You know, Vander Kane, I know he potted a couple goals. I know Pavelski had a, I think he had a couple himself as well. So, um, you know, those two guys led the charge despite the injury to Thornton right now, um, which, you know, doesn't look too concerning given how, how their game against Philly went. And then you got these depth guys in, in Meyer. Timo Meyer scored a beautiful game. He, he, had a, he, he ended up make, pulling a silly move on the goalie and scored with one hand on a deke. Um, it was really nice. Hurdle, obviously, great. Coach, who are great. Um, I, I think after that Philly game, it just it showed, it reinforced my thoughts on this team from the opening night, and and that's why I sent you that message. I, I think this team's a real deal, um, and you know I, I get what you were telling me. You know it, it would be, kind of be a fun storyline for this team to be shitty out of the gates because they're everyone's you know favorite to win the cup. You know that seems to be what everyone's saying. Um, but hey, I mean, I, I don't think you're going to see that anytime soon. I, I just think this team's too good and, and too experienced to kind of drop the ball. So why is Martin Jones so 
freaking awful. Well, what I'll tell you about the first game is he didn't face a lot of shots. Like I said, I think he was only like, he let in four goals on 15 shots. So it was like 11 for 50. And, uh, you know, that, that could have just, I think that's more when a goalie doesn't face a lot of shots in the game, it's kind of odd. And, and I think, you know, that, that happened to him in that game. Um, the LA game, he bounced back. If you see the highlights for that game, he was fantastic, which I wasn't surprised to see given he always plays well against LA because they're his former team. And if you look at the statistics, he never loses at the Staples Center. So I, I wasn't surprised by that night, and, and that got me kind of excited. Um, and then I, I don't know. If, if you look at the Islander game, I don't think too many of those goals you could you could pin on him. Like I said, I think it was more just the performance of the Sharks and, and them having to start that East road trip that kind of, uh, you know, showed itself there. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think, yeah, things don't look too good if you look at the stat line right now. But I think there's there's good reasons for why that's the case. And, and I think he's going to bounce back. My, my only concern is it doesn't look like they have confidence in him because, you know, I, I was telling you this off the air. It looks like Dell's going to start tonight. So um, it, it, it's a not, not a back-to-back night, and they're going with Deller. So uh, I'm, I'm a little surprised. And, uh, you know, I voiced this concern to you in, in, in the preseason episodes. And uh, it's got me a little concerned. But, you know, I'm hoping it's just maybe maybe it's just a sign. Maybe it's just a, a warning sign to Jones that he's got to step up or else he's going to start losing some time. So we'll see mm-hmm. what happens here. Okay, yeah. I, I don't want to add too much to the, to the Sharks debate because – I, I don't want to pretend to be uh, very knowledgeable on on their games. I, I've watched the highlights, but all I'm gonna add is I think they're a little overrated. I don't uh, I don't love their their forwards. Uh, obviously, their D is good. Their goaltending is bad, and uh, but like my biggest problem with them is they don't have that that star forward right now. They don't have that definite eighty point guy that uh, many other teams do. So I'm sure they they'll find a way, but. Yeah, I just think they're a little overrated. I, I definitely don't have them as my cup favorite, I'll tell you that. I, I think they're out in second round at best. But, yeah, just we'll watch, see. watch the game, Kyle, though. Watch, I can't, Nick, I watch can't sit and watch these guys. Game. But you'll see what I'm talking about. You'll see the style of play that they play, and you'll realize very quickly this team doesn't need an 80-goal score. Mm. Because when they're playing with this kind of team defense and they're getting maybe not a lot of scoring but but timely scoring, and timely saves from these veterans like Jones and Pavelski and 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 uh, and Kane. That's all you need. And uh, and we saw it where they almost they took Vegas to six games last year in in, in the uh, in the playoffs. And uh, and I think that's all you need from the playoffs. So I know they don't have the slick eighty point guy, but I'd argue they don't need it. So we'll see what happens. Meh. Yeah. I guess, but. Just yeah, watch, Kyle. Just watch a game. When they're playing a team you like, just tune in. That's the only time I'll ever watch them is if they're playing a, yeah. a team and then that you I let like. Me, and then let me know what you think. And then I'll, I'll, I'll tell you when my team wins. And, oh, Nick, I don't know about these guys. <laughs> I don't know. But they did. Oh, yeah. Well, well, I don't know. Like I was telling you about the how the Islanders shut them out. And the Islanders, we made the joke that uh, their goaltending was the best in the preseason. And they're they're – their goaltending is still good in the regular season. Is that the work of Barry Trotz, or is this kind of? I don't know. I know they're letting a lot of shots through, but uh, it looks like a different Islanders team 
on 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 the on the defensive side of things. Is that is that Trotz working his magic? You know, I I honestly wish I could answer that in confidence, mm-hmm. but. This team, you know, I told you from the get-go, they don't look very uh, appealing to me. I have not watched, tuned into one of their games. Um, I'd like to say it's trots because you know how I feel about coaching, and and I and I'm of the opinion that you know coaches can influence in a game more than people think. Um, I think it's kind of a, I think it's a mix of trots, but also, and this is me just talking from the periphery here. I think it's a mix of trots, but also just a rejuvenated Leonard who I mentioned to you as a fantasy sleeper of mine. He, uh, you know, he had that, he made those, you know, statements public about his experience with mental health and, and, and all that jazz. And um, he, he feels like a guy who has a lot of, you know, pressure off his, uh, you know, the weights off his shoulders, so to speak right now. And uh, I think you're seeing that with his play. Obviously he had that shutout against the sharks and uh yeah, I, I, I think he's been great. And then I think that top unit of Barcel, Bailey, and Lee's been great as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a little concerning to open up, you know, the stats and see that a lot of their other guys aren't scoring. Um, I know they, you know, a, a couple of those grinders, you know, Matt Martin scored against San Jose. But for the most part, I think it's just been that power play and that top line that's that's been doing most of the work for them. So Mm-hmm. Um, that's a little concerning. I, I don't think this marvelous goaltending and this, you know, staunch, you know, this this new revamp, revamped defense can 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 cover the lack of secondary scoring. So we'll see what happens moving forward here. Yeah, from what I've seen, it looks like a team with definitely a chip on their shoulder. Obviously, with the all the Tavares nonsense, but uh, yeah, in terms of fantasy. The way I'm approaching things right now is if if a guy is on the Barzell line and especially if he's on that top power play, he's worth an own. To like Lee has been very good, uh, Bailey has been very good as well, and obviously Barzell is uh, he's picking up right where he left off. He looks fantastic out there. Like you can sure. really tell the offense runs through him. He's like he's uh, he's like the Marner of 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 the Islanders, but uh, not as much supporting cast. So it's it's looking good for him. But uh, oh, and that. Uh, Ryan Pollock, I I, t- I tried to take him in, in most of my drafts, but he's uh, he he's starting off a little bit slow. But this guy is just so talented. He's got that bomb from the point, and I I can't wait for him to sneak onto that top power play. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, well, for that segue, why don't we sneak over into our little fantasy segment? I think uh, we said to you guys that we we're gonna talk about our drafts, which happened. Uh, which happened a little while ago, but it's worth uh, it's worth going through because it's kind of interesting. And then we have a huge, huge league changing trade uh, that we want to discuss with oh, you guys yeah. as well. So uh, I guess what do you want to start with, Nick? The drafts or the or the trade? I'd say let's go with the drafts. You know, give give the listeners a little bit of context to what our teams look like, and then mm. you know we, I think then we can talk about this this huge huge uh, <laughs> league changing trade league changing league it'll, it'll change everything yeah, yeah. okay so let's so let's, start let's start in the andrew league um, sure the what, andrew league. let's just call it that yeah what why don't you go first with uh, are you just going to run through guys you drafted in yeah. order okay perfect. i think i'll do that and if i need to mention anyone i will okay yeah just like yeah notable guys who are maybe struggling sure. or doing well okay give them a so shot i'll make this i'll make this brief i sure. have a second round pick so I, I was immediately a little bummed, you know, I wasn't going to get McDavid. So, you know, the way I saw it, I can either go OV Crosby or, or Kucherov. Um, 
I went with Kucherov. I, I, you know, I, I see the team around him. I, I think it's just a safe bet. You know, his scoring's only gone up in the, in the, in the past few seasons. So I was happy to make that pick. Um, I then had a pick at the tail end of the second round because obviously it was a snake draft and I got Sagan. Um, I was shocked to see him drop to, to pick number 15. So yeah, I was crazy. happy to scoop him up there. Um, 18. So I got a, I got an early round three pick. I got Tarasenko. Um, obviously, we talked about this at nauseum. I think he's going to have a great bounce back year. Um, I took him you know, ahead of a guy like Wheeler. I could have took Wheeler, but I stuck with my word and took Tarasenko. Um, end of round four, round 31, I got Phil Kessel. You know, obviously, he hasn't, he hasn't been too great so far, but I anticipate that'll change. He's just too consistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, round five, pick 34, I went with Jack Eichel, which was obviously to your dismay. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, we talked about that last week, but I won't, I won't get too much more into that. Mm. Um, round six, pick 47, Martin Jones. Had to address my goaltending. Pick 50, I go John Gibson, so I go back-to-back goaltending there and at 47 and 50. Um, 63, Chris Letang. I got to pick my first D-man. I love Letang. He's been great to start the year. He scored that game winner against Washington, so I, mm-hmm. I hope his play only continues. Uh, John Carlson at 66, so I went back-to-back D, just like I went back-to-back goalies a few rounds earlier. John Carlson, he's been great so far. That that Washington power play, like you said, 50%. Uh, hopefully, you know, that pace probably won't continue, but no one's going to take a spot on that top uh, on that top PP, and looks like he's going to have another great year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake Allen at 79, you can call it a reach, but you know how much I love Jake, so I was happy to scoop him up there. That's a reach. Uh, yeah, yeah. Say, say what you want. Number eighty-two, Max Pacioretty. Uh, maybe hasn't been playing to the extent I think he'd be. You know, scoring at this point. I know it's only been four games, but I, I you know, and Stasny just got injured, so we'll, we'll see how that plays into things. But I know he's on the top PP. I know Mark Dessault gave him a nice feed at the tail end of that Minnesota game they played last week. Um, so it looks like I don't know. I, I think just give it some time. I think he'll settle in just fine. Uh, Mike Hoffman at 95, Ilya Kovalchuk at 98, who just scored his first goal in five seasons against the Winnipeg Jets. Um, pick 111, Oliver Ekman Larson. Pick 114, Jeff Carter. Um, pick 127, Jaden Schwartz. Pick 130, Evgeny Dadanov. And ending things at round 18 143 i picked colton Pareko. Pareko, mm-hmm. i think has a chance of being a breakout defenseman this year so those were my picks Kyle. nice so yeah as you guys can probably tell it, it's only an eight-man league that's why all these players are so strong especially down the bottom there like if your last pick is Pareko, it's probably a small yeah. league <laughs> yeah okay i'll start off my number one pick the best player in the NHL at number seven overall, Nathan McKinnon. And uh, boy, oh boy, I was so happy he fell to me. I, Our friend Andrew was picking, I think, one or two spots ahead of me, and I'm like, I know Andrew's taking Tavares. He's he's such a Leafs fan. He's going to take Tavares, and uh, and he did. So that that's great. So I got I got my guy. I got my favorite player. Uh, number 10 overall, because I had the the late pick that sort of gives me a back-to-back. So I took Jamie Benn, who's been nothing short of fantastic oh, yeah. as my uh, as my top left winger there. Um, number 23 overall, so my third pick. I wanted Tarasenko, but I think you snaked him right before I got there. So I took Brent Burns, who I, I had planned to be 
you know, it was either Tarasenko or Burns in that spot. Again, I want those shots, and uh, and he's my number one defenseman. Uh, another one on left wing is Artemi Panarin shortly after that. Um, I then took up Philip Forsberg, who we mentioned that uh, he had a great great season last year, has potential to go 30-plus goals, 35-plus assists for a decent pace there. And he's gonna he's a guy that can do everything, too. He'll put up hits. He'll put up shots. Um, number six. Now, here's the tricky one. So Nick goes and takes Jack Eichel right under my uh, right under my nose. So I'm not happy, and Nick knows it. So I had to take I had to take Jonathan Quick. And honestly, Ooh. I was so debating Ooh. taking someone else. And I was like, like the timer was running down on me. It was one of those situations. Like, do I take this guy or this guy? And I'm like, ah, fuck it, Jonathan Quick. I might as well, right? Because like uh, worst case scenario, I keep him, and he's a good goalie. But uh, best case scenario, I, I'm able to milk Nick for a whole bunch of assets. But that's probably not going <laughs> to happen because he's fucking injured. But yeah, moving on. Uh, I got my Jonathan Marcheseau. This is a guy I highlighted in my in my top tens. He's a uh, he's another guy who can do anything, uh, hits, shots, points. He's the he's very reliable in terms of uh, being on that top unit, top power play. He's the guy in Vegas, in my opinion, that will lead the offense up front. Uh, another guy, number eight, which is, this is now 58 overall Brock Besser, who's gotten off to a, a scary slow start. I know it's uh, it's early, but a lot of people are saying he looks a little lost out there. Uh, he's coming off somewhat of an injury. So, and he didn't have many goal. He didn't have any goals in preseason. I don't think so. It's starting to concern me on honestly, like with my, with my eighth overall pick, uh, Brock Besser, ugh. I, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be very patient with him because he's such a talent, but I want him to start going for sure. Even even take some shots, like come on. Uh, number nine overall, Ricard Raquel. Very happy with this pick. I got him at 71 overall. Again, like a like a Marcheseau guy, he can do everything, and he's on that uh, reliable top spot in Anaheim. Number 10. This is I, I think I probably flubbed this one, but I took Cam Talbot at number 74 overall with my 10th and uh, honestly he's already gone I, I already dropped him I picked up uh I picked up uh Varlamov as soon as I saw the first Colorado game I'm like yep I'm doing it I'm picking up Varlamov because uh yeah he the the team looked great and Varlamov looked great and he had a great season last year and I figured uh if Varlamov gets injured I'm gonna get Grubauer first if I can and uh I just I'd rather put my faith in Colorado than in Edmonton at this point um yeah fuck i don't know yeah edmonton's kind of scary that what what i saw them play in, in new jersey they just looked just fully uninterested like if they were just <laughs> playing bad i would be like oh yeah first game whatever but fuck they looked so fucking bored out there and maybe it's because it was in europe but my goodness that team scares me <laughs> i'm telling you anyways moving on really happy at number 11 overall for me trocheck Another guy who can do everything. Number 12 yeah, overall, uh, your f number one fantasy hockey player, Morgan Riley, at uh, mm. number 90 overall here. Wow. What a steal. What a steal. 13, with, with which is 103 overall. Sean Monahan off to a fantastic start. 106 overall. Sean Couturier, uh, who I've dropped. <laughs> um, not because he's concerning me or that he's all that bad i just i saw bailey doing well there and uh i thought i'd jump on him and he's he's been good there so yeah keep it going and uh 
119 overall, Eric Stahl. Uh, 122, Cam Atkinson. 135, Jeff Petrie. And with my final pick, Ryan Nugent Hopkins at 138. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with this team, Nick. Uh, it's got a lot of balance. I wanted to get guys that, uh, that were multi-cat guys. I feel like I did that. And uh, I'm happy with my goaltending. Once Quick comes back from injury, I got Varlamov and Quick. So, yeah, all things are... Uh, all things are looking pretty pretty decent for me for so far. I'm I'm pretty happy. Alrighty, let's uh, let's switch on over to the other league. Um, in this league, what I will say off the top is this is our annual keeper league. So um, this, the important this, one. This, <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, the one that's actually worth some money. Um, this is uh, so yeah. Right off the hop, these round one picks I'm I'm reciting here. These aren't you know this isn't the we didn't have access to the whole NHL. The reality is it's a 10 man league. Each guy got to keep uh, two players. Mm. And so, um, yeah, essentially 20 players were off the board right from the get go. So yeah. you'll, you'll notice that in these picks here. But anyways, moving on here, uh, first pick, you know, it was, a, there was a small pool of players to choose from. I was hoping to get Tarasenko or Kessel at, at the ninth pick in the first round. Unfortunately, I did not. And I settled for uh, Johnny Goudreau, who, uh, you know, I, I, I talked about it in the preseason shows. I, I wasn't too high on, but so far he's been great. So until he starts playing poorly, uh, he, he's in my good books. Um, then it's a snake draft. So picking at number 12 early in the second round, I went with Mark Shifley, which a pick I was very happy to make. Um, I've been hearing a bunch of pundits say he's, you know, a, a sleeper to be the Hart Trophy winner this year, mm-hmm. and uh, and watching his games, he's he's been fantastic. I I just he's so he's just so smart. He he just doesn't do anything wrong. He's he's a pleasure to watch. Um, so I was happy to get him there. Third round, um, Tuka Rask dropped to 29th. So considering you know 20 picks had already happened before this draft, I essentially got Tuka Rask at the 49th pick, which in my opinion was just absurd. Um, given how late in the draft that is compared to usually where he's going in, the, in around the mid to early 30 range. So I was happy to get him there. I'm not happy with his play so far, um, but, you know, hopefully that changes. Uh, moving on, my least favorite pick of the draft, number 32, I got Nikola Ehlers. Um, I saw his left wing, right wing eligibility. I needed a right wing part of the draft, and, and I think that's why I took him. For some reason, he was he was going really high in drafts, and honestly, just watching Winnipeg games, I don't know why he, he started the season on the third line. I know he's been bumped up to the second line with Little and Line A, but the reality is, this isn't a guy who's going to be on the first power play. He's kind of a, a depth guy for their team, to be honest. I know he's he scored sixty points in three straight years, but I'm not high on the player so far. And just looking at the draft, the fact I could have had a March or so. You know, in, in, instead of him, it, it kind of bums me out. So, similar to Besser, that's kind of the one pick that I'm kind of losing sleep over. So, hopefully, he gets his act together. Um, next round, um, obviously, the keepers came in for the fifth and sixth round. So, my keepers were Ben and Ovechkin. Uh, seventh round, I went with Jake Allen at 69. So, you know, if it is considering the whole 20 player thing, I got him at 89, which I think is good value for Jake Allen. Uh, 72, Ilya Kovalchuk, um, 89, Mike Hoffman, 92, Tyson Berry. 
he was my top defenseman taken. So maybe a bit of a, you know, weak link on my defense given Tyson Berry is my top defenseman. But, you know, as I'll get into here, I think I made some good picks with the rest of my D. Um, Keith Yandel at 109, so I doubled down there. Keith Yandel, he's on one of the best power plays in the NHL. So I'm happy. Uh, I was happy to get him at 109. Um, next pick, I actually didn't have a next pick because I, I made a trade the last year where I traded my Ooh. round 12 pick. So no, no pick to speak of there. Uh, number uh, Round 13, this one got me a little rattled. I took Ryan O'Reilly at 129, but just before me, um, your good buddy Mitch took Jaden Schwartz at 128. Ooh. I was hoping to get him. At the last second, Mitch took Jaden Schwartz. So that kind of got me rattled. <laughs> uh, so I had to settle for O'Reilly. He's been great so far. He had uh, three assists last game for the Blues, so I'm, I'm hoping he keeps it up. Mm-hmm. 132, Kyle Palmieri, who I thought was great value for there. He obviously had a great debut uh, out in Europe against the Oilers, so I'm, I'm hoping that you know stays together, playing with Hall and uh, the young kid, Heischer. Um 149, Jonathan Taves, who is looking like one of the best picks of the draft right now. Yeah. Um, he almost looks re-energized. I know the TSN panel was talking about him the other night, saying, you know, he, he looks for real, and, he, and, and, you know, Pierre Maguire said he had a great summer of training. It was the first time in, in many seasons he had like a, a full summer to really train. Um, he kind of reminds me of uh, Anze Kopitar last year because, you know, obviously Kopitar, he had that down year, and, and many people said that was because L.A. had been making so many runs in the playoffs, and, and it was just fatigue that hit him. Um, and then he had that one summer just to rest when L.A., uh, you know, had a short exit, and, uh, and he put up 90 points that year. So I'm not saying Taves is going to put up 90 this year. That is not the Jonathan Taves we know. I know that. But the reality is, uh, the way he's shooting the puck, the way he's skating, the pace he's skating with, um, it, it looks great as, as a Taves owner. So I'm, I'm happy to have made that pick at 149. Um, next pick, I got um, Matt Duchesne at 152, who I think can be a 60-point guy. I know a lot of people are down on the Sens, but I, I still have faith in that player. 169, Duncan Keith, who looks pretty rejuvenated as well as Taves. I know he had three assists. In that, uh, in that in that game against uh, the Leafs, so that was good to see. Um, and then uh, 172, Jonathan Drouin. I know we'll get into later, um, but I, I, he's the one player I dropped, needless to say, and uh, and that's because he's just looked awful to this point. Oh, oh yeah. Um, and and rounding out my draft, 182, Timo Meyer. Uh, he's a guy I have high hopes in. I think he can score 30 goals this year. Uh, an underrated power forward. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping he has a breakout year this year. So that is my uh, my that is my draft. Huh? Nice. Okay, I'll get into mine. Uh, so number one overall, which was pick five, and consider all the sleepers. I had Phil Kessel there at number one. Number two, I had Jacob Voracek. Uh, number three, and this one's making me a little bit sour for for now, is Mark Andre Fleury. And we know the Vegas Golden Knights haven't got off to the most fantastic start. So uh, that one's kind of worrying me, to be honest, because I, I did make mention that Vegas was my toughest team to predict what they would do. So that's uh, it's raising a lot of question marks for me. But I like the player, so I, I have faith that he'll he'll get it back. Uh, number four, this is a, um, a guy that I have in my other league as well as Ricard Raquel. Uh, for reasons I explained earlier. And then in come my sleeper picks. Jack Eichel at 5. Tyler Sagan at 6. Um, number 7 overall for me is uh, Chris Letang. Who, like you said, uh, I know you have him in your other league. 
um, has been fantastic. That power play looks really nice. And Latang uh, again, says he's rejuvenated and he's had a healthy summer, which is great. So hoping that continues. And then uh, here's a gamble is Cam Talbot again. I, I'm still confident Edmonton can, can do something here. But uh, I wish I... The thing it was like, I think around that time, goalies were starting to fly off the board. And I got really nervous. So I, I took Talbot there, which... I don't know. We'll see how that goes. But number nine here, Max Pacioretty, who is, uh, again, slow start for Vegas, but he's a guy who can cover all categories. Cam Atkinson, who I have in my other league as well. Ivan Provorov, who actually some people have, we're, we're actually building to win the Norris. I'm, I'm not that guy, but like Provorov did tie for the league lead in goals last year for defensemen. So that's great to have at my, uh, at my 11th pick. Number 12, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who I have in my other league. Um, 13, Rasmus Ristolainen, who's a very versatile defense defenseman there. Uh, he's playing on a talented Buffalo roster, and so far he's he's done his job perfectly well. He hits, he, he's got on that top power play. He's got some points to him. Uh, Sam Reinhardt as well from Buffalo. Um, from what I've seen from Buffalo, Sam Reinhardt has looked very, very good. The, the stats haven't followed quite yet. But he's looking very, very smart out there. Pretty much exactly as, as how they drafted him, how they thought he would be. Just a very cerebral player. Uh, he's got great hands in tight. He can he can shoot. He can pass. He's he's gonna have a fine season. Uh, Brendan Gallagher, who's just uh, just a good guy to get you shots and some goals there as well. Horvat, who um, I'm hoping can form a good uh, good uh, duo with with Besser once he wakes up, but. That top power play with Patterson is looking good as well. So Horvat's been pretty good. Uh, Ryan Pollock, who I uh, I described earlier as a guy I was targeting, and then um, this is where the draft got a little weird for me because I had uh, I had other things going on in my household, so I had to kind of like set a bunch of stars and and it kind of auto drafted. So huh. David Perron, I got I drafted him and I dropped him pretty much right away. Yikes. Yeah, so I don't know why like. I don't know. Like there was other things going on. I'm not going to discuss it on the air, but uh, David Perron was taken there. And then Alex Galchenyuk, who I just wanted to stash in my IR. I wanted to stash him and then pick up uh, someone else. Oh yeah. I got Bailey in this league as well as a replacement. Yeah. Oh, and, and Petrie. I got Bailey and Petrie as, as pickups for Perron and Galchenyuk in the IR. So yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm probably a little less confident in this team compared to the other team, but I still really, really have a lot of faith in this team as well. I think I covered all my bases pretty well. Uh, it's just goaltending has me very, very nervous with Flurry and Talbot. So yeah, that's uh, those are the teams, guys. Those are the teams. Yeah, and one last thing I'll mention is uh, in one of those leagues, I picked up Tommy 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 Shabbat. Mm -hmm. and uh and, and uh kyle did the same in the other league so uh i i personally am happy with that pickup i know he's been pretty much putting up a point in every game um mm -hmm. so it, it's really good to see i know in that leafs game he almost looked carlson like the way he was jumping up into the play and and obviously he scored that game winner so I, i'm hoping he keeps it up um i'm going to be seeing him live this saturday uh, when i visit the canadian tire center for my first time um, and, and, and yeah, that I'm hoping to, to see, to see that kid play live and, and hopefully put on a show. I think the reason why we're so keen on, on jumping on that, that bandwagon early is because 
you know, we, we've seen this guy and we've talked about this guy all the way from the juniors, right? We, this is a guy we were both waiting for to, to finally like, uh, get his role and step up. And it looks like he's doing that. I mean, who else is there to, uh, to man that top, uh, power play unit. So yeah, good for Thomas Shabbat. He's got all the skill in the world to succeed there. So let's hope he, uh, he keeps going for both of us. Um, next thing we want to move over is, uh, in our last thing in our fantasy league is we had a major trade happen in, in our main league, uh, which is like just a league shattering trade. And uh, how it went down was I was at the bar with uh, my friends Mitch and Braden, who were both in the league, and they were kind of debating, oh, let's trade this guy for this guy. And then uh, it just kept growing and growing as, as the beers kept going. Uh, they just kept adding guys and taking away guys. And this is what we finally landed on and i'm i'm on the sideline obviously just saying fucking do it you guys gotta do this like do it for the league we need we need excitement in this league so i'll i'll, I'll say the trade nick and then you give your analysis i'll give mine uh we've have sure. backstrom and line a on one side traded for rantanen and stamkos who wins backstrom and line a Ooh. And the reason I'll say that is because this is a keeper league. I think people have to remember that. Mm -hmm. And the reality is Lion A is a lot younger talent than Stamkos. I, I, I see the easy breakdown of this trade, all right? You got two marquee guys, Stamkos and Lion A, and then you got two lower tier guys in Backstrom and Rantanen. Yeah. And just breaking that down, I can't see how you can argue for the side that Lion A and Backstrom are like – Line A's worse than Stamkos, and Backstrom's worse than Rantanen. And the reason I say that is because, yes, it's a keeper league. Line A inherently has more value for that very reason. I also think he's going to put up more shots than Stamkos. I also think he's less of a liability in terms of getting injured than Stamkos. Um, I, I just, I, I, like the, I like the player more. Stamkos just seems like a teed bit more of a wild card to me. And, uh, and for that reason, I like Line A more. And then with Backstrom, I know we were giving him a hard time in the in the preseason about how he's kind of been relegated off that role with Ovi. But uh, boy, oh boy, I mean, on the power play, he's still going to get his minutes. I mean, you saw that last night in the game against Vegas. He was still dishing the puck around and even scored a goal as well. Um, and, and from what I heard uh, from, from Pierre is he actually trimmed, trimmed some weight, lost about six to seven pounds during the offseason. And apparently he's looking a lot quicker. I don't know. Maybe this could be a bounce back year for Backstrom, and and I'm kind of high on him. Rantanen, I see him more so just a player who's taken advantage of being on a great unit rather than just being a naturally player. I, I I think there's consistency with the team in Washington than Colorado. I think they're just more of a sure thing, and and Backstrom's role there is just so much more solidified. Um, I'm I'm happy to have Backstrom instead of Rantanen. So, um, yeah, put me in the line a uh, Rant. Uh, or sorry, the line A and Backstrom camp, and uh, mm -hmm. good for Braden. Good going, buddy. Uh, ho hopefully, uh, hopefully things go well for you here. I I'm with you on this one. Okay, now let me let me argue for the other side because some decent points there. Some some maybe eight out of ten points there. I'd, I'd say for you, <laughs> Nick. But uh, let let's go player for player here. I'll go Rantanen versus Backstrom because those are the comparables. I think uh, honestly, I th I think Rantanen wins this one because. I mean, he's he's a very young guy. He I think he's 21. He put up uh, over 80 points last year. He put put it this way: Backstrom had 71 points last year, and uh, and he's uh, 30 years old. So there's not much room to go up. 
Rantanen put up 85, 84, I think. And uh, nothing's changed in his situation in terms of who he's playing with. And he's only getting better. So I, I like Rantanen in that case. I think he's more of a sure thing for at least 80 points. And uh, obviously McKinnon's the best player in the league. So uh, give me Rantanen over Backstrom. In terms of Lion A Stamkos, this one's, this one's very close. The, the question is, what version of Stamkos are we getting this year? Last year, we saw a funny Stamkos where he turned into a, a pass-first guy, which uh, kind of caught me off guard a little bit. We didn't see as many goals as we're used to. He, he kind of deferred to, to Kucherov for that role. So Stamkos is the wild card in this deal, in my opinion, because he can be... I mean, the guy's put up 60 goals before. He, he can be that goal scorer. He can put up 300 shots. Or he could be, you know, a 30-goal... 50 to 60 assist guy which is still very 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 valuable what i what i will say is i think stamkos is more safe to get a high point total than line a and uh, we haven't seen a complete game out of line yet we've seen the goals but we haven't seen the assists follow that so um i think how we described it in in the bar was backstrom is is a very heavy assist guy line is a very heavy goal guy ranton and stamkos are more middle ground so if you look at it that way, it's kind of interesting because you're getting more um, extreme players on Braden's side. But I don't think Mitch has uh, has lost this deal in any way because he's, in my opinion, more guaranteed points as long as Stamkos stays healthy. And he's got the potential, Stamkos, to be to be very good this year, like a lot better than than uh, than I think Line's potential is, even though Line's going to get 45 to 50 goals if he stays healthy and if everything goes right. I don't know, like Stamkos, it's hard to say what he's going to do, but I think he is very consistently going to be putting up a lot of good points there for Mitch. So I I say way to go, Mitch, but uh, good deal on both sides, I think. If if it comes down to personal preference, I know Braden had preferences for Backstrom. So, yeah, he got his guy, and I think Mitch got, uh, got a good deal as well. Yeah, exactly. I think if you just break down the names here, I think grand scheme things, if everyone stays healthy, this ends up being pretty inconsequential. You know, I think the points even out, the, mm-hmm. the periphery stats kind of equal out. Um, I think it's just a matter of each guy getting the name brand player they like, you know, both parties being being happy in that respect. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and yeah, you know, both parties are happy. It's one of those good trades where they can both leave the negotiating table and and, and, and be happy here and, and we'll, we'll see what happens I mean I think it's going to be close um, but yeah we'll see mm-hmm. so another funny interesting storyline for this season so far is uh, the Carolina Hurricanes are off to their best start in a season in their uh, in their entire history in Carolina they're 3-0-1 and one. Uh, they're up near the top of the standings and they got a lot of good things going on right now um let, let me get your take first on, on what's going on here, and then uh, I'll, I'll give you my, my counter-argument on the Carolina Hurricanes. Well, I'll tell you what, Kyle. I, I'm, a, I'm a very big fan of, of, of what's going on with this team and the fan base. Uh, I, I know they have, they've had a great start, three wins and an overtime loss. It's, it's good for being the top in the NHL as of right now, uh, Thursday, October 11th, um, at, at, at seven points. 
Um, but I, I just like the whole, you know, the, the, the whole feel there, the whole celebration with lining up mm. at center ice and, and doing the whole leap into the glass after the game. I don't think we've ever seen anything like that in terms of like a, a team celebration after a game. I, I know Justin Williams, the captain, that was his idea. He kind of wanted to rejuvenate the fan base and, mm-hmm. and bring some levity into the situation there. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I like it. Um, I know they mentioned that thing with uh, the fact they're bringing the Whalers jerseys back, which my good friend Will was happy to see. Oh, that looks sweet. Only, they're <laughs> yeah. going to bring the Whalers jerseys. It seems like everything from uh, from not only the play on the ice, but just the, the PR and, and, and just the way they're rallying the fan base. It, it's really fun to watch, and slowly they're they're becoming one of the more fun teams in the NHL. So I, I, I only endorse this. I, I And of course, you know, the, the play's been great. I, I know you said defensively they look a little off, which is odd given that was the strength of this team presumably going into the year. Um, but, you know, hopefully, you know, again, that's just a recipe of it being early in the season. Um, it's good they have a lot of offense. That was something that I kind of had doubts go, going into the season for, you know, not enough depth on offense. But, you know, they've got some weird guys stepping up. They got that mm-hmm. Fogel character who, who I've never heard of, but he, he's, he seems to be a, a favorite there. Um, and, of course, uh, you know, they're getting good enough goaltending. They're, they got McElhenney stepping up. We talked about that earlier. We talked about, um, you know, Morazic. Um, yeah, I don't know. All, all in all, it's, it's, it's a pretty exciting story. Mm. So here's what I like about uh, Carolina. I like uh, I like how Furland has has fit in on that top line. I think uh, he's really found a home there with Aho and Teravainen. He's put up some really decent points too, actually. Uh, also, Svechnikov has looked very nice, pretty much uh, f- living up to the uh, the tough billing that he got as a number two overall pick. He's looking uh, he's looking like the real deal. Uh, that Fogel kid. So I looked back at his history. He's always been kind of like an average style prospect. You know, didn't really light up junior. Um, he, he was a good player in junior, third rounder. Uh, and then he didn't really tear up the AHL. So I think uh, he's off to a hot start, and that's great. And I think a lot of their players are, actually. Like, the, the problem here is, like, we've got a lot of players playing way, way, way over their head. And, uh, and there has been some porous moments on defense. Um, but you know what? Uh, it's a good story and I'm, I'm really glad for this team and, uh, they got the character, you know, celebration there. That's fun. I just, I worry that it won't last too, too much longer. Cause I think they're going to come back down to earth, but, uh, fun little storyline to watch for again is, uh, McElhaney versus, uh, Mrazic there. Cause I don't know. I, I'm one of those guys who has like pretty much zero faith in Peter Mrazic as a goaltender. So, uh, we'll, we'll keep our eyes on that, but yeah, Carolina's a fun team and they got a lot of like really young guys that are starting to come into their own. And, um, compared to before the season started, I like them a lot more than, uh, than I did before. And, you know, I don't see them in the playoffs, but I see them darn close. So I think, uh, Carolina's, they're cool. They're, they're a nice team to follow for sure. Yeah. Good, good to hear. I, cause yeah, I know, I know you weren't too high on them. I think I was a little higher on them given given the the stout defense there but uh yeah no i, I think a bunch of people are kind of jumping aboard here and it's good to see i, I heard uh, on tuesday night against vancouver they had fourteen thousand fans there which by their standards apparently is very high for just a average tuesday night game against the canucks so uh it, it's good to hear that it, it, it's a it, they're doing good for the city of rally mm-hmm. as well 
Yeah, and Hamilton seems to be fitting in quite well there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one guy, funny guy that we wanted to touch on is a guy by the name of Jan Kolvar of the mm-hmm. New York Islanders. What? Uh, so what happens often uh, early in the season is a team here and there will take a roll of the dice on a, a good KHL player. Uh, last year it was Vegas with uh, Shipachov, if you remember him. And, uh, and how long he lasted there. So what, what usually happens is they, they kind of consider these things as like a tryout for these star Russian players. And then uh, if it doesn't work, you send them to the AHL and they never like that. So they, uh, they end up terminating the contract and, and running back to the KHL. But what, what I find funny is <laughs> every time this happens, it happened last year with Vegas too. Every time this happens, people are penciling this guy in Oyan Kovar number two center so they're always penciling these guys into the top six and it's like why are you doing this it it rarely works it's worked with guys like uh i guess i don't know was panarin a guy like that i think um zaitsev was as well but uh it just seems like you know people get a little over over hyped i think shipachov they penciled in as their one or two center like come on guys we got we gotta we gotta we gotta dial this back yeah, yeah, it's 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 it is becoming a annual trend in this league, and uh, looking at it from the outside, it, it's pretty funny to watch. He basically pulled a Jonathan Drouin, oh. and, and you know he was sent to the AHL because he obviously didn't make the squad, and uh, and yeah, you're right, he ends up saying nope, fuck that, I'm going, I'm go- I'm running back to Russia, <laughs> and and now they they got to awkwardly terminate his contract. Yeah, so uh, you don't see that word very often, terminate. We're gonna terminate your contract, but uh, but it, it's funny to hear and uh, kind of a neat story because we were we, he was kind of, you might be asking yourself why the fuck are these two schmucks talking about a guy called Jan Kovar? Well, he, he was just a funny guy. He was a funny name. Kyle and I tossed around over the summer, and yeah. uh, it, it's funny to see where he's uh, his fate has has led him here. Yeah, it didn't last too long, eh? Yeah. So you made you made mention of that guy Jonathan Drew, and I I want to get into him. Because uh, I've I've felt some serious frustration in over the last year and a bit. So, um, quick quick little story. When Jonathan Drouin broke into this league, or when he was drafted, I was like, this guy's going to be sick. And I told Nick from day one of our friendship, over and over. Fast forward, Jonathan Drouin gets traded to the Montreal Canadiens, my favorite team. I'm at work. I'm jumping. I'm sliding around on the carpet. I'm yelling, I'm screaming, I'm telling everybody. I was over the moon, Nick. I was so excited. I went on to NHL.com. I wanted to get by the official Jonathan Drouin jersey as soon as it came out. And that's what I did. I dropped a whole whack of money and bought this stupid jersey. <laughs> How do I feel now, Nick? Not very good. And I'll tell you why. They, they did the whole try him at center last year. So I thought, oh, yeah. You know, he's not looking too, too good. Uh, maybe it's because of that. But I'm telling you, things haven't changed since last year. This guy, compared to when, what he was in Tampa Bay, he's lost speed. He's lost creativity. His his hands just don't seem as quick. Like, this is a guy where I, would, I was always pointing him like, oh, he, like, he creates offense. He creates things out of nothing. He's got a, a great mind for the game. It's like these all these things are gone now. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's like his, his brain has gone all dopey. It's crazy. I watch him and I just I get so frustrated because 
you know, the turnovers and he's, he's still poor defensively. All of a sudden he'll, he'll try to pull off a flashy move and it goes back the other way. The giveaways like Nick, I'm pulling my hair out. It's just like, I, I have, I had so much faith in this player and he's just got so much skill, but like what happened? Where did it go? He's not the same guy from Tampa Bay. Yeah. And, and I was, like I said earlier in the show, I, I had to drop him. I watched that game against the Leafs, and he just he wasn't making smart plays. He, he wasn't in the right spot. He chose weird times to shoot the puck. Um, it, just all these factors made me say, you know, here I was thinking this guy had a great offseason. He'd come back hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, he all the criticism that the Habs fans have been giving him. Um, you know, hopefully he'd live up to that contract that he was awarded with last summer and he just has shown no semblance of, of of earning that kind of money and uh it really makes you look back did tampa know something when they traded him for sergachev like did they did they know deep down inside did johnny cooper and yeiserman did they know something about the player did they know something that you know nobody else knew um because sure as hell looks that way right now um, and right now, I'm sure they're just laughing. They're laughing because they got Sergachev and they got a guy in Braden Point who, who beat out Drew Ann for that spot. Um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 a funky scenario. I hope he gets it together, you know, for for the Habs fans' sake, because I know they're expecting much of him. Um, but it just it just has not been that way so far. And the weird thing is, like, when he had mistakes and troubles in, in Tampa Bay, like, on the ice, I mean, it was never for a lack of effort. It was more for just, you know, making the wrong play. But he was he was never not giving his full effort. In in Montreal, it, it almost seems like he's dogging it out there. It's so weird, mm-hmm. Nick. I've uh, it, Like, I, I like to stay loyal to my players, and, and he's seriously losing me here. But uh, I, by no means am I completely giving up on the guy for this season. It just, uh, I've really, really dialed back my expectations on the player. And it's only been a couple games. But the problem is it's the same as last season. That's what I'm seeing. And I I said in the last episode, he has got a great opportunity to make things click with uh, Kotkaniemi. But uh, my my goodness, I hope hope something happens tonight. I really do. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll see. They're playing the Kings. On this on this Thursday night, mm-hmm. um, and from what I heard, I mean, on they've been talking about it a lot on Montreal radio. Um, they asked Pierre about it, and he, he basically said, you know, he, he's a he's a, he is one of their stars. You know, as much as we give him a hard time, he is one of their name brand players, so to speak. He sure as hell is making the money to justify calling him that. And he basically said, this is the kind of player who you're not very demonstrative with. To, to start when he starts struggling because he is a, a he is a marquee player on this team so don't bench him don't, don't demote him in the lineup don't do mm. any of that nonsense let him play let him keep doing what he's doing and if you know after maybe something like five games if he still hasn't found his stride if he's still kind of lacking you sit him down and you ask him a simple question you say Jonathan who is a player you aspire to be who is your icon, your role model, so to speak, in the show? And you watch tape of that player. Him and an assistant coach sit down. They, they watch tape of that player. They meticulously break it down. And, 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 and they start fresh from there. 
Mm. What do you think of that insight from Mier Maguire? I think it's one of his like one of his few bright spots, Nick. I think that's wow, a, a okay. really good idea. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like it, it it does raise the question because a lot of people consider this player soft mentally, and I I'm starting to get that because when he is playing this poorly it's hard to bench him because you don't know how he's going to react. You know, he almost has this right. prima Donna kind of mindset. Uh, so I'm sure the coaches and the management are just kind of frustrated on how they want to handle this kind of guy. Uh, and especially they don't, they want, they don't want to bench him because uh, it'll, it'll make Bergevin look like a total ass mm-hmm. with, with the trade. He's going to, it's almost admitting defeat. Um, but yeah, like watch videos, sure. Like anything that would help. I more want to ask him, like, you know, not necessarily watch video, but just ask him, like, oh, wh- why do you like that player, and what, what, uh, what do you think you can do to to become more like that? Like, we need, we need more. The skills there, the skill is there, but I feel like the motivation is is taking a walk somewhere else. I don't know where the fuck it is, Nick, but. Uh, yeah, I'll keep my jersey and hopefully be able to wear it soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, well, I don't know. We'll see. We'll keep an eye on him. But let's just say I'm not going to pick him up out of free agency in any of my fantasy leagues. Alrighty. What is uh, what is our uh, next topic here? Yeah, uh, so we're going to end off the show with uh, trophy predictions, but I wanted to get your quick take on uh, that crazy guy, Gritty before we uh before we move on you know what i uh i'm kind of there's seems there's two different camps on this issue (laughs) hey call it an issue call it whatever the hell you want to call it um there's the camp which is this thing is absolutely terrifying you should have no place being here and then there's the other camp which is you know what he's an ugly guy but he's kind of lovable at the same time he's he's kind of unique for a hockey mascot i like him and uh, I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of in the latter camp. Um, yes, he looks fucked. Uh, the, <laughs> best, the, the best analogy I heard was he's Yuppie. I think Yuppie, the yeah. guy uh, on Montreal, he's Yuppie on LSD. Right. Uh, yeah, which I, which, which I thought was a fantastic uh, encapsulation yeah. of, of who this gritty guy is. Um, but boy, oh boy, I, I see the clips. I see him, you know, ru- uh, falling down on the ice and, and, uh, you know, being in the team memorabilia shop and throwing mm-hmm. shit around, he just seems he seems like a fun guy, and uh, and and I think we need we need more mascots like this. We we need more we need mascots to show themselves more in the NHL because I do believe it's a dying uh, art form in the NHL. Uh, this is a perfect description. Um, when I I didn't really know mascots were a thing in the NHL until I played NHL eighteen. Yeah. where they started bringing in the mascots and, and you fu- you got to see that electric bee for the lightning right. who's like the cutest mascot ever and <laughs> and you would never know him if he didn't play NHL 18 because just the, unless you go to a hockey game that the television teams don't do a very good job of portraying these mascots not nearly to the extent that they do in baseball or basketball so I, I think this could be the start of a kind of you know, rejuvenation or of, of, of the mascots of the NHL. And, and I really hope it is. I think it, it's an important part of the game. It's, it, it's, it's fun. You, you, 
it's it's just a it's a fun part of the game that I think's been missing, and and I'm hoping this whole gritty sensation thing for mm-hmm. for however long it lasts, because I know people are he's, it's blowing up right now on social media and everything. I I just hope it you know big picture um, kind of brings mascots back in the NHL. That's 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 my hope. Oh, I think the the people who are angry about this uh, this monster here, I think mm. just get real. Like what like what is wrong with you? He's he's doing exactly what they want. He's all over social media. The the kids probably love him. I know he's a scary looking guy, but that's that's something that'll bring kids to the TV. That'll bring kids to the game. Like it's it's a fantastic thing for the game, in my opinion. And plus, he's the long lost cousin of Jacob Voracek. Like the, he's not just right. some random monster. Uh, rumor has it he eats Zamboni snow. That's another thing uh, that they said on the air. So. I mean, this guy's just trying to make a living here. Like, we can't just uh, banish him back to the rink. I don't know. Like, the people who are upset about this are crazy. It's uh, right. it's, it's good for the league, and I hope I hope other teams kind of follow suit and maybe not uh, like go so so overboard with uh, you know, keep it child friendly like our friend Gritty over here. But <laughs> yeah, it's a good it's a good lead that others should follow. But uh, all that being said, we'll move into a tasty part of the podcast, the trophy predictions, Nick. Are you ready to go? Yes, but I'm, I'm going to – okay, yeah. Let's, let, let's start here from uh, – what, what trophy do you want to start us up? Uh, I'll, I'll just jump in with a quick update. I'm just checking the scores here. Uh, six minutes in, Edmonton Boston, McDavid's got his first. And, uh, oh, my goodness, five minutes in, San Jose is up seven shots to one against New York, and they're up one. See what I told you, Kyle? They're going to freaking blow that team out of the water. I think it's going to be terrible. I think Rangers are probably the worst team in the league this year. I, I'm, I'm really worst considering they're, they're worse than Ottawa. I really think they might be. But yeah, then, they're they're pretty bad. Zero and three so far. Yeah, I, I always as kind of a side note, I, I always like keeping track of the winning list teams in the NHL. Oh yeah, and 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 seeing how long that lasts for. Mm. Um, and and so far we we got a few. I know I know the ones certain ones don't count. Like obviously Edmonton doesn't count because they've only played one game. Yeah, or you know, even even someone like a St. Louis has only played two. But immediately you see the Rangers 0-3. Mm. Uh, can't help but not look at that. So maybe by the time we meet next week and, and we have our episode, maybe there'll still be a team around that's that's winningless. So keep an eye on that. Yeah. Okay, so one question here for you, Nick. Do you want to go, I name the trophy, uh, and then we both say our thing? Or do you want me to just go through my entire list? Let's go uh, per, by trophy here. Okay. So to start off, we'll start with the Messier Leadership Award. And uh, I have. Uh, We're literally doing all the. Trophies, no, eh? no, just the main ones. I, I like <laughs> this one. I have uh, my boy Captain Jack Eichel winning this one quite handily. No, I'm okay. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Come on, <laughs> you know I'm not. Come on. Yeah. No, in, in all seriousness, I have uh, Blake Wheeler of the Winnipeg Jets Messier Leadership Award. Oh, that's a. That's it's a good a, pick. That's a. That's a very good pick. Thanks. Um, okay, let me think here, because I honestly I was not expecting this this one thrown at me here. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll go with a guy we talked about earlier in the show, and that's Jonathan Taves. Okay. Um, yeah. I know when they consider this award, it, it surely can't just be leadership. You also have to, you know, conduct yourself on the ice, not only in a, in a leadership manner, but you also got to produce to an extent. Yeah. And and I think not only is Jonathan Taves just known around the league as one of the best leaders 
in the show. I, mm-hmm. I think if he does bounce back performance-wise, point-wise, I think that would give him a, a one uh, a leg up in this award as well. So I, I like Caves. I see this as his back uh, as, 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 a, as a rejuvenated year, a, a bounce-back year. And I think if he doesn't win you know, another award, he may have a good shot at winning this one. So give me, give me Jonathan Taves. Solid. Okay. Next we'll go to the Ted Lindsay award, which is best player as voted on by the players. Uh, this one, I will take the easy choice, Connor McDavid. Yeah. I, uh, something s- subjective like this, where you have all the players voting, I, what do they call it? The most outstanding player Yeah. award. Yeah. I, I think McDavid has got to be a, a runner up. But my my little dark horse, maybe not so much a dark horse, but hey, Matt Matthews is is making a lot of volume in this league. Lots of guys are talking about Matthews, and and if he keeps this up with you know that rocket of a shot of his or just his playmaking ability and his strength, I I could see Matthews winning this award. So I'm actually going to go Matthews on that one. Wow, I don't like it. I don't like it. But okay, we'll, right. move, we'll move on. Rocket Richard most goals. Now here, I have Austin Matthews. And uh, for most of the reasons you named there, just I think that release could be could be the best in the NHL. Just uh, a wicked quick release that he can position. You know, he can drag it. You know, they showed six feet. He dragged it before shooting it. So just to block it as a defender, it's nearly impossible. And uh, he's just got that laser pinpoint accuracy, and also Marner feeding him the puck. So it to me, it seems like Matthews the year to to win the Rocket. I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. I uh, just, you see the scoring chances he gets the, the power play, how many shots he's going to get via the power play. Um, I know Obi's getting older. Um, I can't see him, you know, scoring more goals than Matthews. I know line a was a good contender in that respect, Yeah. but ultimately just no one in the league I see shoots the puck like this guy. And it's only, it's, it's only health. If he could just stay healthy, I think he wins this, this award pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll keep an eye on his health, but if, if everyone, if, if everyone, if everyone stays healthy, can't see why, uh, he can't win the rocket this year. So now the next two, I want to actually pair together. It's the lady Bing and the Selkie. So we'll just do both of those, uh, at the same time. Um, so the lady Bing is the, um, outstanding player who displays like great sportsmanship. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'll take Barkov on that one. I think he had uh, he had under 20 penalty minutes last year, so that kind of suits him for that trophy. And then for the Selkie, which is uh, the defensive forward, again, uh, a, a forward who produces very well but is also very responsible in his own end. And uh, I'll take Barkov on that one as well. <laughs> so Whoa. Barkov back-to-back, Lady Bing and Selkie. Okay, so uh, I easily I got a Sel- Selkie pick for, the, for this one. And, and, Andrzej and Kopitar, on yeah, yeah, yes. okay. He's going to win the Selkie uh, yet again. Um, he The reason, you know, Bergeron is, ob- is an obvious pick, but Bergeron tends to have more health issues than Kopitar. Right. So uh, for that reason, I'm going to go Kopitar on this one. I think he's the Kings just need him so much. Without him, the Kings are complete dog shit. Um, and it pains me to say that, but it's true. He's that good a player. And uh, both ends of the ice, he's just fantastic. So give me, give me Kopitar with the Selkie there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lady Bing... Kyle, I'm pretty stumped on this one because I do not keep track of penalty minutes. Yeah. I, I just, who are like, 
who are annual guys who win this award? I'm, I'm asking for some help here. So, yeah, the the guy who won it last year was William Carlson, for example. Uh, I think um, it's kind of random because it, it's all to do with penalty minutes. And, like, if a great wow. player has low penalty minutes, then he can win it. So, uh, yeah, a, a lot of the guys are similar to Selkie guys, to be honest. It's, a, it's an award that kind of flip-flops mm-hmm. between those mm-hmm. two things. So, uh, I mean, Kopitar is okay, going to be no, in the I, running. I got a pick here. I, I, I'm looking at history here. I'm looking at a past winner. I'm looking yeah. at a guy who was nominated last year. Yeah. And I'm looking at a guy who I've got high hopes for this year, given his change in scenery, and that's Ryan O'Reilly. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, just given the history, I, I think he's a safe pick. And then I also think he's only going to play better on, on this Blues team. So, give me O'Reilly on that one. Solid. All right. Well, we'll move over to the Art Ross which is the most points in the league regular season. Now I'm going to go off the board here and take Nathan McKinnon, who was just, I think, 0.01 behind McDavid for points per game. If he was healthy, he would have had very, very, very close to McDavid's number there. So uh, he actually, he's, he's right up there in terms of points per game last year. And I think this year he's going to do something very similar with, uh, with, probably better line mates than mcdavid has so yeah it'll be a close race but i'll take uh, mckinnon on that one i will go with connor mcdavid um i just see you know no one point per game wise is on a level with him he's just he's in his own class clearly that was evident with every mock draft you did on on fantasy mm-hmm. and uh the kids yeah nothing else needs to be said uh, said uh, connor mcdavid will yet again win another art ross trophy in 2019 norris trophy best defenseman brent burns i'm gonna say you don't know what the fuck you're talking about Um, (laughs) come on come on you're ridiculous hey kyle kyle when you watch a san jose game because you promised me you will tune in soon enough one one thing you'll notice is brett burns is not a very good defenseman well you don't have to be sure you do well, you have to be good on both ends. You got to be good on both ends of the ice, and the reality is, Brett Burns is a below-average defenseman on the defensive end of the ice. Come You're going to learn that really quickly. He's won he it before, does, though. He, he, yeah, he's got to be a top-four defenseman because of the amount of shots he puts up and the offensive threat that he is. But the reality is, he makes so many just boneheaded plays for this team on the back end. As a Jones owner, he has driven me nuts on certain <laughs> nights. So, uh, yeah, I got to disagree with that one. Um, and I will go with – this is tough. This is really tough. I will go with Eric Carlson. Nick, come on. So, what do you think of that? How good has he been in San Jose so far? Because I don't know. I'm looking at these, uh, uh, these he, statistics. No, he, has, he, hasn't, he hasn't been all too great. I know there was an awful goal where he kind of gave the puck away in the Islanders game and they scored on him. But, you know, when I think of this award, I think of, okay, what's a great team in the NHL, okay? There's going to be San Jose. There's going to be Tampa. There's going to be Nashville. And, and I kind of break down my defensemen in that respect. And I go, okay, Hedman, Hedman's Hedman. But we know what the league feels about about giving a Norris Trophy two years in a row. It's very hard to have. It doesn't happen very often. They don't do it very often. So I got to yeah. scratch Hedman out there. Nashville, you kind of have two guys who, you know, between Subban and Yossi, who kind of 
you know, mitigate one another. You know, one guy might be great, but the other guy kind of slogs the other guy down in the whole, you know, uh, debate for who should be the Norris Trophy winner. So I, I don't really like that situation very much. And then I think San Jose, yes, there's some other great defensemen there, but I think Carlson's just in a class of his own. Um, I think he's going to fit in very well there. Um, you know, obviously a guy who can do it on both ends of the ice, he should put up the points. Uh, you know, barring Burns doesn't get in his way too much in that respect. And, uh, you know, defensively, he, he's, he has been underrated, you know, underratedly, very quietly been one of the better defensive defensemen in the league. And I think playing with Vlasic is really going to help his plus minus, and it's really going to help him, uh, you know, suppress, you know, offense when he's on the ice. So I kind of think him and Vlasic will make a good team, and, and he'll be the beneficiary of that um, pretty dramatically. So give me Carlson on this one. Okay, moving on to the Vesna Trophy for best goaltender. Uh, I will go. I had a had a bit of trouble on this one, Nick. I'm not gonna lie, just because I don't know the way things have started off in the season has kind of thrown me for a loop a little bit. I was debating Hellebuck. I don't want to say Rene, so I'll go Sergei Bobrovsky in Columbus, just because I think he's really solid and. Uh, I think uh, Columbus can put a, put together a decent season from what I've seen so far and from what they uh, they have going on. And Bobrovsky's he's up there for talent in terms of pure talent, goaltending wise. I think he's he's right near the top. It's a safe pick. It's a good safe pick. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna, I'm going to go a little off the board. I'm going to go Johnny Gibson. And uh, the reason I say that is when I think of this award, I I think of goalies who. You know, they they really drive their team. They their the team is the team's success is very dependent on on how well this goalie performs. And, and the reality is, we talked about it in in our goalie uh, show, uh, or or in the Pacific preview show, how the Ducks they're they're kind of getting old. I know they're bringing in a lot of youthful players this year, but they're kind of a team in transition, and I don't think they measure up with San Jose and LA on paper from the goaltending position outward. But I see Gibson as being a guy who, just like Carey Price two or three years ago, really carried the Habs. The Habs were not that great a team in front of Price, but Price, he was just so good night in and night out, and the Habs needed so much much out of him night in and night out. And I think this year in particular, the Ducks are going to be asking a lot of a lot of Gibson. So I, I see that factor, the fact his success, their success is so contingent on his success. And uh, for for that, and he, you know, he's he's just a fantastic goalie. He, he just he tends to not give up goals that are that are odorous. He just consistently makes good saves. Uh, consistently has a uh, save percentage over nine twenty, which is something you can't say about a lot of goalies. Um, I just yeah, just all these factors going for him. So as long as he could just be healthy for once, you know, which which I really think he can this year. Um, at some point, time's got to give, and, and he's got to be able to put up, you know, a 60 to 65 start season. Uh, I, I think he's going to take home the Vezina. So I got, uh, mark me down for uh, Johnny Gibson there. Solid pick. Great goaltender. Calder Trophy. Best rookie. This one to me was one of the easier choices. I think uh, Elias Pettersson is going to run away with it sooner rather than later. Uh, he's just got that really really sublime skill and he's he showed it in the the Swedish league and now he's uh he's proving it wasn't all hype so yeah even though he's on a bad team this guy uh, he's the real deal Nick so he was an easy choice for Calder for me yeah that's a that's a solid pick and uh I think with the whole Barzell situation 
Um, it goes to show you that it, the Calder Trophy doesn't necessarily need to go to a player whose team's going to make the playoffs. You know, it, it just goes to who's pound for pound the better the, the better player. Um, and uh, I'll be honest, I'm going to go with Brady Kachuk, a, mm-hmm. a guy who is in that similar kind of theme, not on the best team, not on a team that's going to make the playoffs. But I think all in all, he uh, he just brings he, he's a, he's a total player. I, he's going to I think he's going to score a lot. I think he's going to play well on both ends of the ice. He's going to get he's going to, you know, in fantasy, he's going to rack up a lot of hits. I just think holistically speaking, he's, he's a solid player, solid leader. Um, and, and I think. Another thing is Ottawa just doesn't have a lot of depth. So they're almost forced to play this guy, hmm. you know, on the top EP, you know, on a top in the top six, whereas Pedersen, he's kind of competing for ice time there. He's not quite on that top line with, with the boys in, in Besser and Horvat. So I think also, you know, opportunity is, is a factor you have to consider here. Yep. And uh, for that very reason, I, I, I got to go with Brady Kachuk. Solid. All right. Now I think we're moving on to the, in my opinion, the most important trophy there is in terms of the regular season play, the Hart Trophy League MVP. Last year, it went to Taylor Hall. This year, it is Nathan McKinnon's trophy. And I think, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's what I think. I think he's going to be the most valuable player for his team, and I think he's going to really show the league that he's, uh, he's a top three overall talent in, in, the, in the NHL. All right. Well, I'm just going to continue with a similar theme of mine, and that's Austin Matthews. Oh. I see, uh, I, I see his play on the ice. I see him just—he's—he's he's just made such a difference. He looks so much different than he has in years past. The the skating point that was that was made earlier is is really showing itself. He just looks different skating around the ice. Uh, he he he's got this size about him where if a guy tries to take the puck from him, he kind of just stiff arms him and and has the ability to just keep him away. Um, I, I just think, you know, the team around him, the fact other players are going to be there to help him and, 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 and help him get going. I, I see the pressure with Tavares. I see him kind of having an internal competition there to see who's going to be the next captain. So I think that's going to drive him. I just think the guy's going to have a sweet year. I could easily see him getting to, you know, 90 points, maybe even 100. We'll see. Um, and, you know, it may sound like I'm just, you know, jumping on the bandwagon here with this hot start, but I really think uh, the Leafs have something special here. And I, I think he's he's done a lot to get himself ready for this year. And I think you're going to see it pay off um, with, with his play uh, come come game 82. I think you're, you're going to see him at the top of the leaderboards there. So um, give me Matthews. And, uh, yeah, I got him for the Rocket and the Heart here. So, uh, yeah. Not too bad, Nick. Not too bad. Uh, so I think we're gonna, we're gonna do one more. I was considering doing playoff stuff, but uh, maybe we'll save that for, save that for another episode. The last sure. thing I think I want to do is President's Trophy for team with the most points in the NHL regular season. Uh, now I'm just gonna go off, uh, you know what we've seen so far, and as well as rosters and a little bit of what you said there. I I think the the Toronto Maple Leafs have the capability to be the best standing wise the best team in the league in terms of the regular season I think uh, you know they've they've got that lethal offense and Nylander's not even here yet so I don't I don't see why this this kind of thing can't continue maybe not as many goals as we've been seeing but the success I think they can beat any team in this league and I think Babcock will keep them consistent enough to do to do so 
that will uh, that will allow them to win the President's Trophy, which I don't necessarily think is a good thing for them come playoff time. But uh, that that will be my pick for the Presidents. Yeah, good pick. Uh, I will go with the other marquee Canadian team, the Winnipeg Jets. Mm. Uh, I, I think the Jets, if you look at them, just you look at that lineup top to bottom, they are the most complete team in the NHL. And, and I know a lot of people are clamoring that point home, but I, I can't help but agree. Um, I see the, the top nine. It looks fantastic. The fact, you know, you got a Ehlers playing is, is just nuts to wrap your head around. Uh, the defense, you got guys who are still there. I know we got some contracts expiring, but, you know, as long as you got Myers there and Horsey and Truba and Big Buff and, and, and the other pieces there, they just – it's a deep defense. It's got a lot of character. Uh, and then of course, on playing goalie, you got Connor Hellebuck, who I think it's safe to say he's established himself as a marquee star goalie in this league. And, and for me, he's got to be up there in the Vezina conversation as well. So I think top to bottom forward D goalie, there's, there's nothing to, to, to really be concerned about with this team. They got plenty of depth down the board and uh, I'm happy to pick them as the president's trophy winner. Fantastic. Well, that uh, unfortunately wraps up the show. That was episode 11, Nick. Uh, excellent job on your end. I think we got we touched on some interesting, uh, interesting things today. Uh, some things that we're going to move over to next episode as well. But yeah, we're just going to keep on watching the league and, you know, uh, getting those big, uh, big storylines as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... You know, if, if things keep up the way they have with these high-scoring affairs, I think it's going to be real fun. I hope everyone else is enjoying it as much as we, as we have been. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, hopefully by next week we, we've got a lot more to talk about. So, uh, yeah, until then, it's it's been a pleasure to serve you guys yet again. And, uh, yeah, c- keep, on, keep on watching, and uh, we'll talk to you uh, next time. Rink Moose signing off.